Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'm Anne, and with co-host Bill, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past and present and to acknowledge that this land was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drug, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week, I'm joined in the studio by Carmen, a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome, Carmen. Hi, Anne. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Carmen, can you tell us uh, where your story started? Where did you grow up? Um, yeah, I grew up in Germany, um, and I am a child of. So we have. Um, I have two siblings, and um, yeah. So my early childhood memories. Um, a lot of them are probably not as fond as they if they should be. And I grew up in um, quite a violent household. My father is. An alcoholic, although he probably would disagree with that statement. Um, but, and at the time, he, he was barely, he was barely home and he escaped a really bad and unhappy marriage. And when he was home, we had to function. And um, I, rem- I I couldn't say anything. We were not allowed to be loud. And we certainly were not allowed to um, misbehave or question him at all. His word was the one from God and uh, we just had to function. So, um, and the childhood memories I have as well, especially the ones which are not so nice, is my father escaping from his bad marriage um, with alcohol. He numbed his own feelings. And he, um, at the time he was playing soccer, and uh, he spent a huge amount of hours over there drinking with his friends. And when he came home, um, this is when the abuse actually started. And it was directed towards my mother, especially towards my mother. Um, he, I'm very, very lucky that he never really touched us. Um, but I, I will never ever forget the screams in the background. And when you wake up as a child, and I, I remember those those times when I was lying in my bed and I just felt helpless, completely helpless, and I didn't know what to do. And I was lying in my bed and. Um, just afraid and anxious. And, um, my, my sister at the time, I, at the time we were just the two of us and my sister, um, we, we had bunk beds and I never, and I never, um, came down to her to literally to protect her. And funny enough is I still feel guilty about that. Although I was just a child and uh, tried to cope and to survive with the situation, the situation. Um, but 
so she has to she had to have have to deal with her own trauma all by herself and she probably lied there as well in her bed and heard the screams and uh, we couldn't do anything and I remember one night as well where I actually came out I came out to look if my mother is all right and I got sent back it's I just got sent back mm. and it's they they literally stopped the abuse mm -hmm. for a minute mm -hmm. To send me back, mm -hmm. and then it started again. The yelling and the screaming started yeah. again, and the hitting started again. And at one uh, time, um, my, my it was that bad that my mother was in hospital, and I remember as well that I, I saw her breasts squished; they were blue, and um, it wasn't not it was really not nice to look at. Mm. Um, but yeah, my my upbringing. Uh, Other than this, is my, when my father wasn't home, it was quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about socially and at school? How how was that? Um, yeah, that is probably the biggest issue. I um, or for for me now, one of the biggest issues. You learn to cover up. You learn to hide your feelings. You learn to hide your feelings uh, at home, completely hiding it. Um, and then you learn to cover up at school, because you didn't I didn't want to I didn't want anyone to find out what was going on in my in in my home and although I as a child you don't know what's normal not normal probably you just know that this is not normal and so when I went to school I never told anyone anyone and now what is quite astonishing for me now when I look back as well I started quite early onwards um doing a journal And I vowed to myself at the time that in that journal, my parents don't deserve a place. So you will not find a single word, neither about my dad nor about my mother. Um, and the bad thing is as well for me now um, that I blamed my mother for what happened and not my dad, which is absolutely ter terrible. I had a very... Um, a distant relationship to my mother from the very beginning onwards and I was a child I didn't need many cuddles and she misunderstood not many to nothing and when my sister came along my sister's two years younger she was a very demanding child according to my mother and she got all the attention from my mom everything and I can't remember cuddles I can't remember strokes I can't remember It, it wasn't there. And for my father, not anyway. And so I had a very, very um, yeah, difficult relationship with my mother from the very beginning onwards. And then um, I just saw that she got beaten up when she triggered him. And in my head, and I remember the thoughts as well. Don't trigger him. Don't say that. Just don't. Don't. Just shut up. Just be quiet. And he won't hit you. And she didn't shut up. And so in my head, in my little head, It was her fault. And I carried so much I carried so much anger and resentment towards that woman. And oh God, it's it's terrible. But this is how I coped with the situation, how I made sense of the situation. It was all her fault. So um growing up we had this weird um it, it was really weird. I always just felt alone because what she told me as well that Because I pushed my emotions down, she told me I'm cold-hearted and she told me as well, I'm like my father. And so my father didn't want me and pushed me away. My mother didn't want me and told me I'm like my dad. I tried to please him all the time, which didn't work either because no matter what I did, it wasn't right. Um, then 
I came home with with really good grades. I was always, always either the best at school or second best. Was always at that top level, and I come home at the time with a, uh, you would say it's an A, A minus, and I come I come home with the A minus, and he looks at me and says, extremely unimpressed. Why is it not an A plus? And, and you think. Why? <laughs> you know, I was proud and it wasn't. It wasn't enough. And and I carry this now to the day where I think I'm not good enough mm-hmm. no matter what I do. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how hard I try. I'm not good enough. And now, since I'm in OA, I, re- I, I observe my thoughts because I realize this is, this is first thing, not, un- not healthy, but as well as learned behavior. And I'm I'm realizing that those thoughts are creeping into my head all the time and telling me those really, just not really wrong stories about myself. Yeah. And it's now in in my marriage now that when I do things wrong, um, then it's immediate. Of course, it's not right again. Of course, no matter what I do, it's mm. just not good enough. Mm. And I'm telling myself the story over and over again, but now. Mm. I have the tools to realize, oops, uh uh-uh, stop, hold on. That's just a story. These are just words and not Mm. right. It's it's your, I call it my ego. My ego um, has has formed throughout the years and it's just learned behavior and it's not right and you don't have to listen to that voice. Mm. That voice has a, it's valid. Mm. Because I formed it as a child and mm. it as, as well I formed it as a protection. Yep. So I don't see it as a, as a bad thing. It is there to protect me and to keep me safe. And it does it sometimes quite loud and mean. It can get nasty, but it always just does it to protect me. Mm. And realizing that as well helped me n- not being nasty as well to my ego. Mm-hmm. Because it's there to be to be safe to keep mm-hmm. me safe in this human world um mm. uh, and from doing stupid things yeah and and Carmen um you've told some of your coping mechanisms um is, where does eating overeating come in does it come in in your childhood early it, adolescence or later so overeating comes in a little bit later i but i never had a really good relationship to food and i connected food which is quite interesting um to love because my grandmother was a third figure in my childhood and uh, she took care of me quite frequently. Unfortunately, she didn't take care of my sister, which added as well to a very bad dynamic in our in our family. But she took care of me and very, very much so. Um, and I remember those moments when I went to her. She always fed me. I, and it was always sweet stuff. I was very fussy about, as a child and I struggled as well, unfortunately, with, with uh, lots of, I was always constipated and things, no wonder what I, when I think about what I <laughs> But so um, she fed me. And when I went there, I, so I came home from school and her house uh, was on the way. So I passed her, her flat and knocked on the door and I got fed I got fed um, bread rolls with either Nutella or some other sweet things and always there was always sweet stuff at her house and she always gave me sweet stuff. Was, so there, was there cuddles there too? They were cuddles. Mm-hmm. She was a loving caring figure in my in my upbringing. She took care of me. Everything I knew I learned from her. She she was a beautiful human being and so 
I connected very early onwards, food with love. And when I was 15, I started smoking heavily, quite, quite quickly, quite heavily. And uh, I ended up smoking 30 cigarettes a day. So that was my drug of choice. And I'm really, really glad I never, I never took anything else. I was really scared about drugs and alcohol because I could see with my father what happens to you when you lose control. And I was so afraid of losing control and maybe as well spilling my secrets. And I had mm. a lot of secrets. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of spilling my secrets. I, I I had to keep those secrets at all costs. So that kept me, that fear kept me from touching alcohol. And I am convinced with my behavior and my addictive nature that I would have ended up as a yep. severe alcoholic. But I didn't because of that. And um, so first thing I smoked. And then um, when I gave that up, I drank a huge amount of coffee and obviously legal drugs but still coping mechanisms. And then food became more important when I gave up smoking. became slowly but steadily more important. And I remember as well um, a weekend away with my girlfriend. And after that weekend she was, was finished, she said to me, Carmen, I love that, we, that I can overeat with you without feeling guilty. And I think, what? <laughs> What? And, but it didn't dawn on me that it's unhealthy behavior to be really rigid from Monday to Friday. Wow. Really rigid. Oh, gosh, was I rigid. And then to eat like there is no tomorrow from Saturday and Sunday onwards. I, I stuffed my face full with an amount of calories. I, if you would count it, we probably would talk about 5,000 calories in one day. A huge amount of calories. And I felt so uncomfortable, full just stuffed myself and my feelings mm. and now I realize that I literally just I, I try to numb myself down and first in my early childhood with, with, not childhood um, teenage years with, with cigarettes and um, smoking like a chimney helped to not feel myself mm -hmm. <laughs> and then food became more and more and more important to actually have this numbing feeling and then I got pregnant and I gained a tremendous amount of weight for the very first time. I was always, um, I, I was never, never overweight in a, I had always sort of a healthy weight, but it was based on extreme restriction and then binging mm -hmm. on the weekend. And so when I got pregnant and I gained 25 kilos with my first child, And I had to lose it, obviously, afterwards, because in my head, and that's another oh, such a bad, bad thing, I, I, I had such an urge to stay slim because my mother talked down on overweight people in a really, really bad way. And she told me as well, there was, there was a story that my, my auntie was always quite overweight and she um, told me that Her husband most likely will cheat on her because who wants such an overweight person? And that story, she, I got that told quite frequently. So that stuck with me. And she looked down on over, to overweight people and she always was on some sort of diet. So I took, I took that, I, I saw that relationship to food and just took it on me. And so when I got pregnant and that, that tremendous amount of weight, it didn't fall off me. 
Yeah, I, I delivered that child and three and a half kilos. That that was my child and this is how much I lost. And I thought, really? <laughs> now I have to get myself onto the diet. And this is what I did quite quite quickly afterwards because I was obsessed with my weight. And then then my journey with food mm. really started and then the obsession took over. I will leave that right there. That's a perfect place to end that chapter. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we'll play we'll play some music from the Whirling Furfies. This is uh, the Whirling Furfies with the other side of the river. Once you were the queen of the world Once you were a little girl Wrapped up in a blanket warm Sheltered from the bitter storm Well, they changed the rules to sink or swim was your welcome where and then Sit and shut up and welcome to the world Doesn't everybody love a little girl Well, the river rolls and it never stops Making mud and dust of rocks
If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300-111-500. That's 1300-111-500. Wellways supports 3CR. Push on a pedal, push on a pedal, get your heart started. Push on a pedal, push it down and up again. Push on a pedal. You have to try very hard not to have fun on a push bike. Yarrabug, a show about bikes. Get on your bike. Riding them. Sit on the seat. Fixing them. Push your feet on the pedal. Loving them. And ride it all around. Mondays, 10am to 10.30 here on 3CR. Push your feet on the pedals and ride it all around, ride it all around. You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. This is The Living Free Show on 3CR 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. I'm talking today with Carmen, a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, Carmen, when did you first realise that you needed to get help for your uh, compulsions around food? Um, That's probably around four years ago, I guess, when... I actually threw up the very first time. And I did this, thank goodness, I think two, no, probably three times, three times when I stuffed myself full with so much food. And that I thought I was so uncomfortable. I, I was literally sick, was sick. And I felt like vomiting. And I thought, oh, look, you, you feel like it. And if you get rid of all the amount of food now, then the calories getting out as well so I did it and I, but afterwards I brushed off that that this is not normal feeling because I thought yeah well I mean you ate a lot <laughs> so and now it came out it's fine you, you felt <laughs> sick it just helped yeah. you so I convinced myself the first time that this is not a big issue and I kept it to myself and and then uh, second time around, I, I did it three times, yeah, I th- did it three times. Second time around, I thought, mm, yeah, I'm not so sure if that is really normal. And, uh, yeah, there was one more time when I did it, and it was over a longer period of time. And at some point, I just realized I, I had an absolute obsession with food. I was so I was preoccupied from the morning to the evening. So I ate 
before, before I ate even breakfast. So I got up in the morning and then I thought, what do I have for breakfast? Then I checked as well the clock. Should I already eat breakfast? Should I not eat breakfast? Then I ate breakfast and then I thought about snack. Snack was at 10 o'clock-ish. Um, and when I had my snack, oh yeah, 12 o'clock, very soon lunch. And then lunch came. So I constantly... From the morning to the evening, I thought about food. And it either was planned that I counted my calories uh, or I starved myself and I figured out fasting. Fasting, oh, what a great tool. We are fast. And then afterwards, we can binge again. Not that I wanted to binge, but I relied solely on my willpower. So I fasted mm. and I, I was a master at fasting. And then when the willpower, I mean, I always say you have a bucket of willpower. And at mm -hmm. some point, that bucket is absolutely empty. And when it was empty, I started binging again. I could gain five kilos in five days. And just to put it into perspective, um, I am 163, uh, 163 centimeters tall. And uh, I my weight always fluctuated between 53 and uh, 59 kilos roundabout. Um, and I put that weight on in five days because I ate like I'm nuts. And I, at some point, I can't remember, I read a book. I read a book and that book was talking about, ah, oh yeah, exactly. That book was written by um, an author called Alan Carr. He was, he wrote a book about, oh, yes. you, yeah, you know, yeah, smoking, great book. So he teaches people how to stop smoking. And he also had a book about overeating. And it was talking about that it's an addiction and uh, about sugar is a problem. And so then I created that awareness that might be me. And then I did something I probably shouldn't have done. I went to therapy. I went to therapy. Lovely therapist. Why should you not have done that? Because she told me that I just need to eat in moderation. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> and that I need to learn to accept my body as it is. That my, my body is beautiful as it is. She's absolutely right. It is. <laughs> and that my obsession with my body and being really, really slim is is obviously an obsession. I just have to learn to accept myself like I am and just eat in moderation. And now, now here comes my people-pleasing into place. After a few sessions, I figured out, well, she doesn't understand that I can't eat in moderation. And, but I, don't, I, don't, I want to be a model student. Like I always wanted to be a model student for my dad. I always wanted to actually fit his narrative and his, his way of thinking about me. So, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm an, I'm an amazing actor. I can, I figure, I think, I, I, I think I know what you want from me. <clears throat> so I think I'm a good mind reader. I'm not, I figured that one out in program, but so I'm trying to read your mind, how I should be. And then I try to fit that narrative. So I am figuring out how my therapist thinks I should be. And then I did fit that narrative. And at some point... I literally lied to her. So I've got it now. I've got it. Yeah, she's absolutely uh -huh. right. I've got it. Yeah, you're right. And therapy obviously didn't work because I didn't yeah. get it. I wasn't a model student. I was still binging, yeah. Yeah, maybe a bit less in, in, in between, but I, it didn't fix my problem. And then I stopped therapy and then I um, thought, okay, we quit sugar. Let's just quit sugar. That's going to fix the issue. Let's quit, quit the sugar. But I didn't. Because I can overeat on broccoli mm. and on steak because it's compulsive food behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not just, mm -hmm. for me, it's not just sugar, 
but it's a compulsion behind the behavior. I just try to feel full. I try to feel not empty. And I felt so empty. My whole life I felt empty and alone. And I wanted to fill that. Mm. And I filled it with food. To mm. not And phys literally physically filling me up. So I couldn't, I didn't feel my feelings. Mm. Didn't feel empty anymore. Mm. And so... And when I when I when I quit then sugar and it still wasn't right. And I remember the day where I I made myself keto um keto muffins. Almond meal. Um and I sweetened it with stevia or something like it. And I ate five in a row. Literally within I, I can't remember, I was that quick. I ate them. I just ate them like there was no tomorrow. And then I, I sat down and I cried. Because I realized, for heaven's sake, it's not just sugar. It's a sugar replacer as well. Mm. Whatever mm. else it is, I couldn't completely figure it out, but I knew I've got a real problem. Mm. And I fully and completely broke down. I thought, I just need help. I just need help. I can't do it on my own. Mm -hmm. I literally can't. Mm -hmm. And this is when someone really close to me said, um, suggested to go to OA. Um, he, he is in another fellowship and he suggested there is something as well for overeaters. Go there. Just go there. And I had nowhere else to go because I, tr I tried it all. I starved myself. I fasted. I, I, I lit therapy um, and I, I, I did calorie counting. I tried this moderation thing. You have no idea. Often mm. I tried the moderation thing to eat. I, I tried intuitive eating, yeah, where, mm -hmm. where you allow yourself to eat whatever you want. That absolutely didn't work because I ate whatever I want and I didn't stop eating and I gained that much weight and that much in that quickly of a period of time. And I thought, ah, oh, Nutella every single day. Yippee, I hey. Um, so I ate like there's no tomorrow. So I figured out quickly that this doesn't work. Not at that stage, at mm. least. Um, and so, yeah, I tried that many, 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 many things. And so then I thought, I have nowhere to go. And I went to an OA meeting. Where was that? And that was actually on Zoom. It was uh -huh. a Zoom OA meeting because at the time um, we were already within the pandemic mm -hmm. and there were no, unfortunately, no face-to-face -face mm -hmm. meetings anymore. Mm -hmm. But it probably suited me at the time because yep. it took away the intimidating part. And as well, I, I felt... In the beginning, I'm not sure if I'm right here because I I was never really overweight, and I, and that's another thing I, I struggle with. I always feel judged. Mm -hmm. I think people judge me, and then they might think I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. What does she want here? Why would she be here? And thank goodness, in my first meeting, there were a couple of other slim people there and shared their story, and shared. I almost cry now because it's it was a, such a beautiful moment, and they shared their story, and I could identify. Sounds like a relief. To it me. was such a relief and it felt immediately like I'm home. I'm home here. There are people who are, and I mean it in the most wonderful way, what I'm saying now, who are as nuts as me. <laughs> <laughs> who think like me. I always thought I'm alone. I always, and I still, I still have to the day, very often the feeling that I'm all alone in the world mm. because in my childhood I was alone I always was alone and now I'm still I'm special I'm thinking I'm special I'm 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 different 
you always have this different feeling. You don't belong there. You think the world doesn't understand you and they yeah. wouldn't understand you even if, if they would try. And I'm sitting in that meeting and I think, oh, you're not special. <laughs> oh, there are other people like you and other people who do exactly the same things. I mean, when I think about it, I actually, I ate now, I really, I, I struggle to admit that, but I ate, I took something out of my bin once. Mm -hmm. I chucked it out so I don't eat it anymore. And I took it out of the bin to eat it again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was still wrapped, but who mm -hmm. does that? Yeah, I, I did. And apparently, yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm not alone with, with my weird thinking, mm -hmm. with my weird behavior. There are others out mm. there who struggle the same. And that was such a relief to know mm. I am and, not alone. And perhaps it's not so weird. Perhaps it's a very common way for, for many human beings to behave. Yes. We're, and we're, all, we're all prone to some compulsion or another. Yes. And to understand as well at some point that this is, it is compulsive behavior and we're just trying to cope mm -hmm. we're trying to cope with life and as well to understand which was beautiful to understand that compulsive food behavior compulsive eating was a very valid way and safe way to cope it's a beautiful coping mechanism it's nothing to be ashamed of you actually helped yourself to survive mm -hmm. with that it's a coping strategy mm -hmm. and to come then to a place When you say, okay, now maybe I find another coping mm -hmm. strategy, another way of coping with my life. Mm -hmm. And it's the most beautiful experience. And I am so grateful. I found that fellowship with so many beautiful people in there, mm -hmm. with so many beautiful members. And that first meeting was amazing. And then they said to me, you have to come back. You have to, you have to at least do six different meetings. And, and they're right because... If at this, my first meeting may have not been those people in there who I could have yes, identified with, yes. but they might have said in the other meeting. Yep. And we have meetings, there are always there are members between, um, doesn't happen often, but maybe just three, doesn't happen often, but usually there are more, on average, probably 10-ish. Um, but you have meetings with three people and sometimes uh, I've been to meetings where you have 30 people yes. sitting there and um, they're overseas meeting, they're sometimes even bigger. Um <clears throat> So, and it's really important. You go to different meetings and just sit in there. You don't, you don't have to share. Nobody's forcing you to share. You can just listen. It's, your anonymity is extremely valued. Um, if, if you don't want to give your name, don't give your name. It doesn't really matter. You don't even have to show your face if you're not comfortable with that. Yeah. But sit in there and listen to the people. Listen. And there will be at least one person. Mm -hmm. who has very, very similar stories. And I find, I find myself so often in all sorts of different people, all sorts of different stories. And sometimes you find people who pretty much feel like, like, you're, like it's a sister or brother. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like it's, you share so similar, you share similar values, you share similar stories, similar upbringings, similar. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's mm. absolutely beautiful. And this feeling of belonging, what I never had in my whole life, I've got that now. So it would seem that that feeling of belonging is going to be going a fair way to filling the void? 
Yes. Not, not all the way. Yes, but not a fair all way. the way. A fair way. Mm-hmm. A fair way. And it's another, it's, it's a, well, it's one of the tools we're using. Um, and especially in the beginning, it's a beautiful tool that when you have a compulsion and you have that tool to ring a member. Yep. And, and no matter where they are, one of the members will pick up. You yep. can ring 10 or 20. One of them will pick up. Yep. And you don't have to feel bad about it. Don't think about if you can disturb, if you would disturb them. One member will pick up. And sometimes it's just the act of calling someone. Yep. Even if they don't pick up, but you actually broke the cycle. You didn't compulsively overeat. You rang a member and the compulsion is gone. Uh-huh. It's a miracle. Uh-huh. And, um, for me, the most important tool, well, I don't want to even call it tool because it is not a tool. What was a missing link for me, um, because when I entered OA, I I knew that certain foods trigger me. I may had to figure out all of them, but I knew that the trigger mm. food is mm. are there. Mm. And I knew as well that I emotionally eat. They hadn't figured out completely which emotions, but... I knew that too. Mm. But I, what I didn't know is the missing link was the spirituality. Uh-huh. That was the missing link. The reliance on a higher power, a power greater than myself. And I call it God. Some people call it just higher power, uh, universe, supercomputer. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you may believe, it is it is just a rely- that you can rely on something greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. Because yourself wasn't good enough no, to beat I, the problem. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. And funny enough, that was a first concept as well, which, which I struggled with in, in when, when, I, when I first read about it. Yeah, um, The first step is the admitting that you're powerless yes. and giving it to a higher power, yeah. to a power greater than I think. How, how does this now work? How can I... Give away my control, yeah, and something imaginary <laughs> is 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 taking over, and and then I mean, like like a miracle, I'm abstinent. I mean, how's that going to work? But I I don't know how it works. But this is the only thing that worked. Yeah. It is amazing. This is the only thing that actually works. Admitting I don't have willpower, that willpower doesn't get me anywhere because it didn't. <laughs> It didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, you did have willpower, but the willpower doesn't work. It, no, yeah. it doesn't work. It, yeah. it doesn't work. It's it's the bucket. The, it, you have a willpower bucket. It's yeah. just at some point it's empty, yeah. and and then you you are there yeah. with your human nature yep. left over. And and I and I OA taught me I can't rely on my willpower. I have to rely on God and other people and other <laughs> people. Okay, that's a good place to stop. So we'll we'll uh, take another break with a song called Ciao Mama and it's another one from the Whirling Furfies.
Environmental Film Festival Australia invites you to EFA Presents Sovereign Cinema, a one-day cinema event celebrating Indigenous perspectives on climate, ecology, culture and custodianship. EFA Presents Sovereign Cinema includes two shorts packages and a main feature, all sharing unique stories which reveal the resilience of Indigenous people and the importance of protecting ancestral connections to country. Join us at ACME on Saturday the 10th of December for our first in-person screening since 2019. Tickets and passes on sale now at effa.org.au. The Environmental Film Festival Australia is a 3CR supporter. CR855, get your slice of local film action every Thursday at 11am. For half an hour, get a dose of what's new. And who's who in the art of film. Join Annie and Muhammad for Showreel on Thursday, 11am, 3CR 855 on your AM dial. See you then. This is a living free show on 3CR Digital Radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And we're talking with Carmen about the problem of compulsive overeating and how the Overeaters Anonymous program helped her with recovery from this. So Carmen, um, how do you apply the um, OA program in your daily life these days? Yeah, so for me it uh, begins in the morning when I after I wake up, the first thing what I actually do is I write a letter to God. <laughs> it's uh, might sound funny, but um, I I write down how I actually want to be that day. Uh, I'm asking as well to free me from any compulsive behavior, obsessions, um, whatever may be there. Control is a big issue for me. I'm not as judge- judgmental anymore. That's really nice. So I don't have to include that as much anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, control uh, is a big issue on that I include. But I also write down how I want to be. That's very impor- important. And that I want to be a patient mother and all sorts of things. And I think about my day ahead and write down how I want to be. And then when I've done that, I, I go ahead with, with my day and after my breakfast I ring my sponsor every day I ring her mm-hmm. every single day very important to me because the reason for that is um, I don't want to have to think about that I have to feel guilty that I haven't rang her in a week I don't want that guilt so I ring her every single day and sometimes we talk for a minute literally just a minute mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. Sometimes we talk for 15 minutes. I mean, it's in the morning, we're all busy, mm-hmm. sometimes for half an hour. That doesn't happen too often, but that happens too. And it, depending on what is, and I talk to her about what, what happened yesterday and um, I get better identifying these days the issues I have. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, she identified them for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do this every single day. And um, then... Uh, I go ahead with my day and in the either afternoon or evening, I uh, do meditate every single day in minimum 15 minutes. Meditation is extremely important. It's not prayer 
It's meditation. It's my connection to my higher power, the connection to God I, I, I need. And sometimes it's a guided meditation. Um, most likely it's literally I sit there and surrender and connect. And in the evening, um, I... Before I go to bed, it's a, it's a five-minute thing. I think about my day, how that unfolded, and what I could have done better. Not what anybody else could have done better. What <laughs> I could have done better. I, OA taught me that this is the most important part to life, to understand your responsibility and to be a better person, how you can serve the world, help other people. And that takes away as well your preoccupation with yourself. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. constantly being in your head. Mm. And especially me, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a big people pleaser. Um, and I, I try, as I mentioned beforehand, I try to fit the narrative of other people. What happens but then is because I try to figure out how to look good in front of you, I don't listen to you because I'm mm. thinking about my own words. And it's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious thing. And then I'm going ahead and spinning around in my head. And then I've missed half your conversation and, and forgot or literally I didn't listen to what you mm. were saying. And... I figured out that throughout program now, my conversations are so much better because I actually concentrate. I concentrate on the other person in front of me because I can listen because it doesn't matter anymore what I say because I'm all right as I am. I'm good as I am. And the other person either loves me with maybe sometimes as well the stupid things that come out of my mouth <laughs> or they don't. And it is okay. And and I, I've mentioned it earlier um, that... In the beginning of the program, I could see that my relationships, my friendships will change. And I was afraid of that. And now it's a beautiful thing. I'm not afraid of that anymore, that some friendships have changed. They're not as much in my life present anymore. But not allowing people who shouldn't be there in your life in the first place. And you kept them in there because... Mm. You fit the narrative and they think they like you, but they actually don't. Um, and you might not like them either that much. And that's okay as well. We can't please everybody. Now make space for actual people mm. who belong into your life, mm -hmm. for the people who really love you like you are, who see you like you are and say, wow, she's great. Mm. She's amazing. Yeah, maybe a bit nuts, but that's okay. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> and you make space for, for, for people who actually value you in the right way. And I got, yeah, I, I didn't kick the people out, but they just slowly but steadily mm, yeah. are not as important anymore. People who gossip a lot, yeah, I don't yeah. have in my life anymore as much because... I don't gossip as much anymore. And that was one beautiful compliment a friend made me the other day. She said, Carmen, you don't gossip anymore. And I took a moment and I said, thank you so much for saying this. That means a lot because I, when I entered the program, I didn't realize that gossiping for me was a way to connect to other people. Yes, yes. And I talked so much shit about other people. It's, it's terrible. I, I hate admitting that. But I dragged other people down just for me so I can connect to yes. another person. And, and as well, to another person who sh I shouldn't connect in the first place with. <laughs> yeah. And I don't do that anymore. I really don't because as less judgmental I get with myself, yep. 
as less judgmental I get with other people. This is an amazing gift. I'm, I'm so yeah. much more forgiving and loving. And I look at somebody in, with love yeah. and not so much with judgment anymore because I just like myself much better yeah. and accept myself much, much more. And obviously, yeah, I have good days and as well bad days. But now I have the tools when I have a bad day. Mm. To observe my thinking, understanding mm. that it's my thinking mm. and probably my childhood thinking mm -hmm. that is doing that to me. And now I can meditate. I can ring other members who remind me, remind me of the tools of, of the program, of, of God, of whatever it is to get me out of my self-pity. And, and what about compulsions? Are you still sometimes subject to compulsions? And, and uh, how is that for you? Um, I, those things every now and then still creep in, but I'll give you a nice example. Um, I was invited to a wedding just, um, recently and I rang another member and we were talking about the food because they served finger food and I'm not good with finger food. Um, because now I have a, I have a food plan and I eat three times a day. Uh, I, might, I might eat, I might eat um, four times a day, but this is literally, and that's now a female thing. It depends, really, really depends where my hormones are. And but it, it's, I, I, I'm sticking to that food plan, and it's very hard to stick to a food plan when you have finger foods. It's easy to overeat with finger foods for me, very easy. So I'm ringing her, and. Then we came up with a plan together and I, I, we came up with a plan that I grab a plate mm -hmm. and I put the food on there so I can physically see it. I'm not touching that food before I, yeah, before it's all on there. So I have my food on there and then I eat that and that's it. Mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing. And it worked beautifully. And But another thing, what she said to me, and it was such a great advice. She said, Carmen... Send God before you. Oh, that gave me so much peace. Yes, of course, I sent God before me and then he will take care of the rest. I don't have to take care of anything because I can't anyway. Yeah, that's my human ego can't take care of anything. So I sent God before me and he will take care that everything will be fine, that everything that I can, that there are things I can eat, that there are things, because that was another issue. Are there things I can eat? Is it all there? And And it was. Yeah. It was fine. It was not an issue at all. And I had my plate. I ate that. And then I was full. And I was happy. Mm -hmm. So it, that's amazing. An, it's an example of having your plan and that's something yes. you can control. Yes. And then leaving everything else uh, to the higher power exactly. that you can't control. Exactly. Exactly. You have your food plan and you have a certain amount of control. And maybe, you never know, maybe 20, 30 years, I can completely rely on God. Maybe tomorrow I can. You yeah. never know. <laughs> maybe my human ego could let it all go. <laughs> for today, I have, I have tools. OA gives you tools for the times yep. your ego is creeping back in. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which it always will. <laughs> it, it will. It always will. It always will. <laughs> Are there other situations that it's good for you to avoid? Other triggers? Um, I'm actually, I really got to say quite good by now. I don't, the other day, I actually, my husband was asking me if, if it disturbs me that he eats chocolate in front of me. Mm -hmm. I said, no, actually don't care. 
anymore. That's in the beginning I did. I felt a, trem a tremendous amount of self pity. Ah, uh -huh. oh, the self pity. Ah, uh, poor me. Um, but that left me. That that left me. It doesn't. It doesn't happen anymore. That I look at a food and I think, oh, I wish. I It's in the beginning. I I gotta be honest. In the beginning, I was uh, entered OA. Um, not to. Not to not eat sugar anymore. I entered. I wanted. I wanted to end my suffering. I really wanted yes. to end my suffering. And I probably silently I was hoping they show me a way how I can eat sugar. Uh, yeah, it's. But I. I honestly don't care anymore. It doesn't matter. I'm so the the feeling, the of feeling free. Yes, just free is so much more worth than any cheesecake mm -hmm. in the whole wide mm -hmm. world. It 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 can't replace that feeling. Mm -hmm. And when I think back as well, that feeling of of satisfaction when you eat that lasts a few seconds and then you actually want more and more and more. It never really lasts long. It's really lasts if you're if you're lucky for a few minutes and then it's it's gone. Mm. The feeling of being free, mm -hmm. of of just feeling balanced and happy, joysome and free. Well, we're going to end that there because this yeah. is the Living Free Show. Ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> we've got uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds to go. So you have nailed it. You've just uh, <laughs> ended on the right note there. So um, uh, thank you very much for coming in and sharing your experience with us. It was wonderful. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks, Carmen. If you are having difficulty with compulsive overeating, you might like to try Overeaters Anonymous. You can find them at oa.org.au. All meeting, meetings welcome newcomers, and the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. And uh, that's the end of the show for today. Um, oh yeah. Also, there are there are, the meetings uh, of OA are listed on their website at oa.org.au forward slash meetings, and these can be face to face, online, or hybrid of both. Um, coming up next, we have Balanois, the spirit of War, hosted by Uncle Teljam Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. And to take us out, we've got a song called Simply Irresistible by Bron. How can it be permissible? She'll compromise my principles. Yeah. Irresistible. Ooh, she's all mine.
so powerful She's simply unavoidable The trend is irreversible That woman is invincible She's a natural law and she leaves me in awe She deserves the applause, I surrender because She used to look good to me, but now I find her Simply irresistible. Uh uh. Simply irresistible. Uh uh. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.